Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Football Social Daily. We are four days into 2024 and it has not stopped raining. So what's the best thing to do? Get on a plane, get out of here and get yourself some winter sun. Although that might not be the case for a large crop of Premier League players because the reason they're jetting off is because of the Africa Cup of Nations or the Asia Cup. A large cohort of Premier League stars will be out of action for over a month as they embark on international duty for their respective sides. So who will be missing? The likes of Son and Salah, Mitoma, Huang, Onana, and even Nicholas Jackson is on his way as well. Not to mention pretty much the entire Nottingham Forest defence. So who's going to be left the weakest at this squad depletion? That's what we're going to discuss on today's Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast with me, Niall McCorn, alongside Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. How are you doing, gents? Morning, yes. Uh, not too bad. Just looking through uh, who's who's left, basically. <laughs> I, think, I didn't realise there was so many players leaving. In the, uh, I completely forgot about the Asian Cup. So, um, yeah, forgot about Son and Mitoma and Huang. It's going to affect quite a few teams, I think. Do you know what? It's a good point because I think we've become accustomed to AFCON over the years, Joel. I always remember everyone would say, how are Chelsea going to cope without Didier Drogba and John Obi Mikel and... But the Asia Cup seems to have crept up on us because now we have probably more Asian players than I can remember in the Premier League. Yeah, it's exactly that. I didn't even realise the Asia Cup runs in January until this year because I don't ever remember Son leaving Tottenham unless he's just sneaked out the back door when Tottenham's season had already capitulated and no one was looking at them. <laughs> um, but I mean, you, you're definitely right. You're looking at Matoma and Son and Huang and all these top Asia players now playing in the Premier League just shows the rise of it now. They're really, really good players. It's almost on par with AFCON in terms of the quality of players that are leaving. And especially, I'm, I'm sure a few teams that we'll talk about are really not happy that this January's come around right now for their players. Well, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with AFCON? Or do we want to start with the Asia Cup? You know what? I'm going to take a different route. Let's begin with which teams are going to be the most affected as a whole by this month? Well, I think the answer to that is Nottingham Forest. Six players in total to the African Cup of Nations. Those players, Serge Aurier, Willy Bolly, Ibrahim Sangare, Cheku Kuyate, Moussa Niakate and Ola Aina to Senegal, Ivory Coast and Nigeria respectively. Three of them, in fact, to the Ivory Coast, which is where the tournament is being hosted. In terms of Forest defence, pretty much all of those players that are going to AFCON are involved in the forest defence. That leaves Nuno Espirito Santo pretty light in terms of defensive reinforcements. Yeah, I think um, looking at them, you think, oh, they're not they're not incredible players type of thing. But then you look at who Forrest play at the back and it is three of them. Um, Bolly, Aina and Aurier are pretty much regulars in the team. So you look at that and they, they have got, I mean, one thing they have got is tons of players, Nottingham Forest. So like Montiel can come in at right back and Toffolo and Nico Williams and... You know, I think Joe Worrell's still knocking around somewhere in the in the doldrums at Forest somewhere, so he might come back in. Um, but it's it's a big loss. And then Sangare plays pretty much every week as well. 
Um, less so um, Cheku Kuyate, but he's still sort of an effective player that, that gets a few, quite a few minutes at Forest. So, um, yeah, there's quite a big, uh, quite a big loss there. Sangare was like 30 million from PSV. So, you know, I know he's been he's been average this season so far as he sort of settles in, but yeah, he's still uh, quite a big player for how they play. And um, yeah, there's there's a fair bit of chopping and changing to do there because the likes of Willy Bolly have been pretty integral for them for the last few weeks and, you know, were part of Santo's first sort of teams that he's trying to work out whether who's who's in his strongest team. It's probably the worst time for him to leave, really, because if they start picking up points without him, you know, he'll be thinking, Christ, I've got a, a job on my hands to get him back in the team after playing quite well, um, sort of in my, in the, the first games of Nuno coming in. In terms of the numbers game, Joel, when you ask the question who will be the most affected by these absences, you'd have to say Forrest because they're six players. That's the most players of any Premier League side. But in terms of how you feel about which club might be the most affected, do you agree with it being Forrest or do you think someone else might have more issues to solve? I was just going to say for Forrest fans, I bet they'll be watching this AFCON tournament, praying that Ivory Coast go out in the group stages <laughs> because the majority of the players going are pretty much Ivory Coast. And when you look at their group as well, it's a group that they should be getting out of. The knockout stages don't start till the 27th, so it could be a maximum of four games that they miss, which when you're a team at the bottom of the table is, is a pretty big chunk, isn't it? But looking at the teams as a whole, for me, I think Tottenham are the team that might suffer the most from this. And that's only because South Korea, obviously, with Son, he's one of the top goal scorers in the league at the moment. They'll probably go quite far, and their tournament doesn't end until the 10th of February. You've also got Yves Basuma and Pape Sarr, who's both of them have been really good this season as well. Not to mention the fact that they've still not got James Madison back, and they're suffering with injuries all around the pitch as well. But with Son, he's almost worth as much as all that collective of Nottingham Forest players for me. Because in some games this season, he's literally dragged them from the dirt and managed to win them games on his own. So I think for them, that'll be the probably the hardest blow. And it was funny when I saw the interview that he did, because I know South Koreans are very, very proud of representing their country. So it's not like he's thinking, oh, I wish I could be with Tottenham. But you got that sense from the interview that he was kind of a little bit melancholic on one side, but also ultra proud on the other side because he knows that he's leaving at such a vital time in the season for uh, for Tottenham. So I I feel for him on that instance, but I'm sure he won't even be thinking about it when he's representing Korea. So I think for me, Tottenham, but also when you look at Liverpool, I mean, it's very similar circumstance. You're losing one of your top, your top goal scorer in Mo Salah. It's going to affect your team, isn't it? It's just like how Brentford have lost Ivan Tony. Take your top scorer out of the team and everyone else has got to try and pick up the pieces. So, uh, yeah, but I think for Tottenham, it's going to be a really tough uh, three or four games for them after this. Just on what you were saying there about South Korea, I heard an interview with Wolves forward He Chan Huang as well, and he was very similar in his tone in the sense that he was obviously really excited to go to Qatar with South Korea for the Asia Cup. I don't think they've won the competition for 64 years or something, and they're one of the favourites to do it this time around with the players they've got, particularly in those forward positions like Son and like Hee Chan. But also he said that he will be watching every single Wolves game when he's out there. He won't be missing a game. So he does feel kind of not conflicted. Obviously, as you said, proud to be representing his country, but also they will have half an eye, some of these players, on how their Premier League sides are getting on back here in England. The team that are on top of the table are Liverpool. So let's talk about them 
Mali because they are going to lose Salah. And there will be a time in the future where they don't have Salah at all. He'll move on to pastures new. That is what we've expected over the last couple of years with interest from Real Madrid in the Egyptian, of course, interest from the Saudi Pro League. But how do you think that will affect Jurgen Klopp's side? They are top of the league, so therefore they are the ones that are going to be chased down. They are there to be shot at. So they'll lose Salah and also Wataru Endu as well. So how do you think Liverpool will fare? I think the one thing Liverpool have got is great depth in the forward line. Um, every game they bring Diogo Jota and um, Mo Salah, and not Mo Salah, um, Gakpo off the bench and Harvey Elliott's in great form as well who tends to play off that right wing or that right centre midfield role so they've got plenty of options there so I do think they're the most well set for it but they're also losing like their the the jewel in their crown type of thing with with Salah I think he's top scorer in the Premier League this season um, I think he's got has he got 14 or something like that so obviously that's going to affect you but you know the money they've spent is is should see them through. Like Endo's not that big of a loss when McAllister's just come back and when both of them are fit, there's only one guy that plays and it's it's not the uh not the Japanese guy who's actually pretty pretty effective and, and has, has he's really settled well, in. Yeah. That. yeah, he's he's a really good player. Um but he's he's actually going to play for one of the most informed international sides in the world right now with Japan. They're absolutely killing it, Japan, at the minute. You've seen the way they pop they're, the ball around as well. Even the, universe, even the university team yeah. incredible. The way, the way they're knocking the ball about, I mean, yeah, they've got to be one of the favourites for the tournament, you'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, them and them and Korea are the two obvious ones. Um, but the way, I mean, I remember in the last international break, Japan spanked Germany like 4-1 or 4-0 or something like that. And I know Germany had the best of of where they are right now, but Japan are, Japan are just killing it right now. And uh, yeah, I think um, obviously Mitoma's going as well from Brighton, who might be a bit of a loss. Brighton are losing Mitoma and uh, Simon Adingra as well. So they're losing two wingers out of their um, sort of first choice rotational winger type uh, players. So there's quite a few. Both of those players, I think, are carrying knocks at the moment, so they might not even end up going, which actually might play into Brighton's hands because if they recover from injury and haven't been selected for their national team sides, that makes them available. But that being said, there aren't as many Premier League games in January, are there? So I think that's certainly worth bearing in mind that even though these players will be missing for up to four weeks, I think there's only three or four matches in that period. It's not like over Christmas where you're playing every two days and then all of a sudden your players have missed 10 games, which would be a nightmare for any manager. Now, I'm just looking through this list of all of the Premier League clubs with players that are missing due to the Asia Cup or AFCON. And underneath Newcastle, it says no players. Now, I don't know whether that means to AFCON or whether you just don't have any players at all because <laughs> they're all injured. It could genuinely mean either. I mean, if there was if there was availability, if we had any, they would be injured anyway. So it, it doesn't, <laughs> uh, luckily doesn't affect, of, uh, affect us. I mean, Lomano Lualoa was always a loss for us back in the day, but... Uh, yeah, he's, How did he used to affect Newcastle when you had a really good crop of African players like Cisse and Tiote and Demba Bar? Like, how did that used to affect Newcastle in those seasons? Well, we just used to muddle on through, I suppose. Um, yeah, Cisse and Bar were, were obviously incredible together, but yeah, every January when they left, it was like, who else is there? Like, who else can play up here? <laughs> um, but we've all we've had a few over the, over the years. Obafemi Martins went for, went for Nigeria. Um, over the years, Shola Miobi eventually declared for for Nigeria, sort of late into his career. I think he was about thirty when he decided to to actually play for Nigeria. Um, 
and then he he would go missing for a little bit. I'm not sure he, he ever went to an Afcon to be fair, but yeah, there's there's always a few. But now we've we've got no Africans, and and even if they were, they'd be bloody injured anyway. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't quite affect us this time round. We've just got Italians who can't say out the bookies. <laughs> when we were in the Premier League. Harry Redknapp loved his African players. You had loads. We <laughs> every Avcon we were the missing wardrobe. someone, whether that be yeah Papa Boomer Diop, the wardrobe, or Yakubu, or Benjani, or Luwa who came to us as well. Suleiman Tari, I think Kevin Prince Boateng played for Ghana John in instead of Germany. Yeah, John Utaka is another one. So we had absolutely loads of players. So um, yeah, wasn't wasn't great, wasn't great. We'll talk more about this and which players will be unavailable over the next few weeks next on Football Social Daily. Manchester City, are they in the pole position when it comes to strength through January? We'll talk about it next. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Niall. Marley and Joel are with me. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget if you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcast, that way you will not miss an episode of the show again. Today, we're going to talk about which squads are depleted due to players representing their countries at the Asia Cup in Qatar or at the Africa Cup of Nations in the Ivory Coast. We touched upon a couple of teams like Nottingham Forest and Liverpool before the break, but now I want to talk about the two Manchester teams, Joel, starting with your club, Manchester United. And I'm coming to you first because I know what Marley's going to say about this. Andre Onana is one of the players who's decided that he is going to represent his country, Cameroon. Sofian Amrabat is also unavailable for the next couple of weeks at the least. So that's two players that are missing out. I think more eyes would be focused on Onana and how Manchester United will fare in his absence rather than Amrabat. What do you think? It's funny, we had a joke just before the podcast that we thought Onana was playing against Marley in his first game. And we're not even talking about Marley Anderson, we're talking about Marley <laughs> M-A-L-I. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't as poetic as we thought it was going to be. There's no prizes um, for guessing who I support of the African Cup of Nations. And it is, <laughs> we are team Marley, let's go. Freddie Canute is not there anymore, but uh, yeah. I really hope Onana plays Mali in the knockouts. I'm actually, we will be watching that with the close eye. But United have never really been affected by the Africa Cup of Nations for as long as I can remember, to be honest. We've never had a top African footballer playing for us. I mean, the ones that I can remember off the top of my head have been Eric Jemba Jemba. Manucho. Manucho, yeah. Apart from that, Quinton Fortune was always one. Quinton Fortune, South African, but they never really got far anyway. He was never a massive player in our squad. So it's not like, like uh, now mentioned at the start with Chelsea, where their main 11 was integral from the AFCON. We had Didier Drogba, Michael Essien, Solomon Kalou, Mikel. I mean, there were so many players that they would lose, and it would actually be kind of detrimental in January because they were world class. Well, a few of them were world class. Whereas for United, I'm, it's kind of a shame as well because honestly some of the African players that have gone by that we've missed out on you look at Man City another great example of them who've had some really good African players in the past uh, but this time both Manchester teams are unaffected by it especially Manchester City because they've always sorry hang on hang on hang on before we go on to Manchester City both Manchester teams are unaffected by it by AFCON yeah Manchester United will be unaffected by losing Anano is that what you're saying <laughs> Oh, has he come round, Marley? He's come round. I can feel him going three sixty like a revolving door. <laughs> you mean one eighty? <laughs> no, no, oh, yeah. no, one eighty. 
I don't. It's not going to be as detrimental as, let's say, Spurs, for example. I feel like Onana. It would be good for him to go to the Afcon. To be honest, I feel like he needs to be around a different environment and try and just improve himself. And I actually hope that Bayande, the Turkish goalkeeper that we have, I looked at some highlights last night and it made my heart sink. However, I'm hoping. Does he exist? I, honestly, it's like uh, Sheikh Jassim. We don't know if he exists or not. I'm still waiting. All I've seen him in his training. <laughs> I don't even know if he's a professional footballer or not. But when you look at our fixtures that we've got, obviously they've made some kind of amicable agreement with Cameroon, which means that Onana will be playing in that Tottenham game, which I think is actually pathetic, to be honest. Because imagine the confidence that that puts on Bayende, who's been waiting and waiting for his opportunity. Every other player in the Premier League has gone to their respective countries, ready to settle into the rhythm of the tournament. Onana's the only one who's held himself back. I don't know if that's because he's desperate to try and help United or I don't know if it's because Eric Ten Hag doesn't trust the second goalkeeper but for me it just leaves a bit of a bad taste because surely you have to trust the members in your squad regardless of what happens. That was going to be my next point how fortunate is it that Manchester United's next game is on Monday and it's an FA Cup third round game against the League One side in Wigan Athletic it is away from home is that a good place for Bayern Deer to get his first minutes? and get used to playing for Manchester United? Or is that a bad place for that to happen? Because if you make a mistake against League One Wigan, all of a sudden your jitters are increased for that Tottenham game. Niall, I don't think he's going to play. I think Onana will start. And that's because he's going on the 15th of Jan. And we've seen in every tournament that Eric Ten Hag plays, he always tries to play his strongest team, which sometimes can be to his detriment. And that's why I feel quite sorry for the for the goalkeeper by Andir, because... He must feel zero confidence from the manager. He'll be thinking, why? But don't you think that's bad management, though, from Eric Ten Hag? Yeah, I do. Because I think that this is a perfect chance. And yes, as I mentioned, you put both sides of it forward and you say, well, what if he does have a bad game against Wigan? And then all of a sudden he piles the pressure on. But also, I think it's much better to give him 90 minutes in an FA Cup game that Manchester United are expected to win and they probably will win on Monday night to get his feet under the table, get used to handling the ball, get used to English football because it's all well and good sitting on the bench or being part of squads or you know, working on the training ground in these conditions. But until you actually play a game, especially as a goalkeeper in that solitary position, it's really difficult, I think, to just come in and all of a sudden be expected to perform. We've seen it backfire so many times. So I think now's the perfect opportunity to say, thanks, Andre go to the AFCON, come back with a bit more confidence and let's give Bayern Deer some games or a game before the Premier League rolls back around again. Yeah, 100%. It's almost like Onana's half in, half out. If you're going to represent your country, how on earth can you go 24 hours later and play in the first group game? You need to be there for a good five days and settle in with the squad. It's If I was a Cameroon squad, I'd be looking at him thinking, are you committed to your country or not? We've all sacrificed our domestic leagues and our teams at this stage in the season to come and represent our country. And you're exactly right. Wigan Athletic and FA Cup third round games in every season gone by has been the perfect opportunity to bring in the fringe players, give them a chance, let them have a bit of time on the pitch. And especially when Bayandi is going to have to be called upon against Wolves, West Ham and potentially Aston Villa as well. I just genuinely don't understand it. Because if Onana went on the 10th of January, which is two days after that Wigan game, Bayande would have had to go straight in net against Spurs 
on the 14th of Jan. What a nightmare of a scenario that would have been. Because like you've just said, confidence is gone. Yeah, but this is a Spurs without Son, without Basuma, without Papasar. So is, they'll be it weakened. Is, but it's a different level of game that he'll probably have experienced before. So that's what I'm True, getting yeah. at. And it would have been a different, diff- difficult environment for him. But I'm not too happy with Ten Hag's management of this. I can't lie. I think it's quite doing a disservice to the teammates that he has, I think. I would be absolutely fuming if I was one of, <clears throat> let me get the uh, pronunciation right, Davis Epassi, Fabrice Ondoa, or Simon... You sound like a native Cameroonian, Marley. <laughs> I can't pronounce that, mate. I'd, I'd, I'm looking at it, there's far too many. It's like countdown for me, that. Um, but I'd be fuming if I was them, because they're the three other goalies at Cameroon working their backsides off day in, day out. And this this Onana's just going to stroll in, play the first game for for Cameroon at Afcon, and this is after he's fell out with the um, the coach, I think, who I think is still Rigobert Song, at the World Cup uh, last year when he he just left the tournament because he didn't like how Cameroon were playing and basically wanted to be the manager. So you've got this guy with a massive ego who's fell out with the coach, been banished from the World Cup squad, and then comes back. And he's in the Afcon squad, and then says, "Oh, by the way, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come uh, the day before we play Guinea in our first game. Like, allow it. I've got to play for Man United. I'd be absolutely fuming if I was a goalkeeping um, rival of his. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be like, what, what the hell, man? I'm, I'm here. I'm working. I'm working hard to try and get in this team. And this prima donna, who's had the, one of the worst seasons you can ever think of in a top league of any goalkeeper coming into a league, is just swanning in and just." being Mr. Billy Big and being number one straight away. So I'd be fuming, but that's 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 Cameroon's choice in it, I suppose, and Man United's. But I'm still convinced Alte B&D doesn't exist. I'd love to know what Cameroon football legend Jeremy thinks of the situation with Onana. I wonder how yeah. he's feeling about it. All. I would love to know that as well. And if no one's listened to that episode of him getting thrown all sorts by people at the camp now, while he was playing for Real Madrid and his story of going from, where was it, from Cameroon to Brazil to Turkey to Real Madrid, then to Chelsea. He had the craziest story, by the way. Yeah, he was nominated for a Ballon d'Or at one stage as well, I think, after his time at Real Madrid. So, you know, it was a it was a great journey for him and unfortunately ended in uh, being the captain of Newcastle. But <laughs> <laughs> Our worst Never time mind. as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Joel's right. If you just search uh, Jeremy Football Social Daily or just scroll back in the timeline, you'll be able to find that episode that we did with him last season, actually. There's loads of other guests on there as well, including former England player Trevor Stephen, Wes Brown, formerly of Manchester United, Danny Simpson, winner of the Premier League with Leicester. It's his birthday today as well. So happy birthday, Danny Simpson, for today. Loads of guests that we spoke to over the course of last season on the podcast. So scroll back and you can find some of those special guest interviews. Let's continue our conversation about teams affected by AFCON and the Asia Cup. We've spoken about Manchester United. What now about Manchester City, Marley? Because they went to Saudi Arabia for the Club World Cup. They won it whilst other teams are playing Premier League games. Liverpool are currently top of the table. They're level on points with Arsenal, are Manchester City, and they've played a game fewer, albeit without losing any players to AFCON and the Asia Cup. So talking about which teams are in the weakest position, are Manchester City in the strongest one? I think they could be. They're, they're losing no players and 
if you want to talk about sort of sliding doors moments in the Premier League, you know, Spurs are losing Son and, and their starting centre midfield. Liverpool are losing their best player and they're getting back Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland after a little injury. So you talk about that. I mean, everything's all the eggs are falling in, in their basket at the minute. Um, they've now just got to kick on and, and do what we all kind of expect them to do is and, and win 10 games in a row and, you know, end up top of the league and five points clear with, with 10 to go or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a coming together for them now. And especially as he went and won, won the Club World Cup without Haaland and they won it fairly easily in the end. Um, and, you know, just walked walked through the opposition in, in Saudi Arabia, had a nice little warm weather training camp as well. You know, it's all it's all gone quite well for them so far. So um it could be the the time where things just shift towards towards them and not that they need help because we all we all expect them to, to get better and kick on as we all say all the time. But yeah, it's um it's one of them where if you need a helping hand, you know, your your biggest rivals and the team that are top of the league losing the best player and top scorer is one you were uh, you would hope to to draw out the pack type of thing. Yeah, and you're right with De Bruyne and Haaland coming back as well, which is impeccable timing, you'd have to say, for Manchester City, who, as I mentioned, are currently five points off the top of the Premier League table, Joel, but they do have a game in hand over the two sides above them and the two sides below them, Aston Villa and Liverpool above them, Arsenal and Tottenham below them. So if they win their game in hand, they go above Aston Villa onto 43 points and just two points behind Liverpool. And Marley said yesterday he's convinced that Liverpool will drop five points at some point throughout the rest of the season. Are you of a similar thinking to Marley in that Manchester City are pretty much at their strongest in the next couple of weeks whilst everyone else will be slightly weaker? Well, they need to capitalise on this for sure. I mentioned uh, about a week ago when Arsenal were almost the ones who had the upper hand when it came to injuries, especially to Manchester City in the last couple of weeks and they didn't quite capitalise on that moment where they could have really struck while the iron's hot. But, I mean, City in the Premier League, they start off straight away in Newcastle, which is a great three points for anyone these days right now. So that'll be a nice start for them. But it's it's a period in the season where it's funny how within three weeks, the whole narrative's changed where City were the ones who were not quite ticking as much. They were falling off a little bit. And now, like Marley's just said, they're almost having the last laugh where their two best players are coming back. The two best players of every other team around them are going away. I mean, even Arsenal are going to probably suffer from having Tommy Asu out for another month because he is in But is that not the beauty of the Premier League and English football over Christmas and New Year? Because no other top European league does this. If this was the Bundesliga, we'd be sitting here on the 4th of January talking about the state of play in the exact same situation it was two weeks before Christmas. And yet here we are on the 4th of January. We've had four, five, six games over the Christmas period. There's FA Cup games this weekend it is chaos and it is probably difficult for managers to deal with we talk about the load on players and how many games they have to play but in terms of the entertainment value for a neutral or a Premier League watcher that is exactly what you want isn't it because now here we are as I say first week of January and the complexion is completely changed of the Premier League whereas in the other European leagues like the Bundesliga it's exactly the same as it was before the break well now if you think about the last two years this time in the last two years we've had covid which completely decimated every team's squad i remember thomas tuchel coming out and they're all kind of lying about who had covid tests and 
that was a crazy period of time. That, and then you fast forward a year later, we had the World Cup for the first time in winter, which completely altered everyone's team and their selections. And now we've got the AFCON and the Asia Cup, which is completely changing the landscape. So there's always some kind of jeopardy going on around this time of year anyway. But like you mentioned, I mean, in the Bundesliga, they're still on their one month break from Christmas, uh, along with La Liga and along with Syria. We're the only top league in Europe that doesn't have that it goes a little bit later on doesn't it in January so that's actually a good thing to be honest I mean it'll be so tough on almost the tradition to take away all those mountains of games at that time I mean everyone can mention that it does affect the players and it's a lot of duty on the players but they do get the break at the end of January now which is really good but What's your, what's all of your predictions for the Asia Cup and the AFCON winners? I know you're all both very avid watchers of both tournaments. Go on, Marley. <laughs> uh, Japan to win the uh, the Asia Cup because they, they're just quality. Um, AFCON, I have no idea. It could be anything. Cameroon are probably the favourites. But I, I don't know. Are Marley even in it? Because Team Marley, sorry. it. Marley, you're in it. Right, let's have it. Come on, Marley. It's crazy in the Africa Cup of Nations because you get really random winners. I remember a time when, was it Zam- Zambia that won it one year? Zam- yeah, Zambia went and won it, yeah. So it's a very, it's an unpredictable tournament. So any, literally, you could pick any name out of that hat. Cape Verde and they might win it. Niall? I think for me, I'm going to plump for South Korea for the Asia Cup. I think that they're determined. I think, as I mentioned, they've got two really informed forwards in Son and Huang. They've also got... Kim Min Jae, is it the centre half? So I fancy them to end their sixty-four years of hurt. <laughs> and, and <bring laughs> sounds the, very um, sounds very apt. Yeah, and bring the Asia Cup home to South Korea. Um, as for the Afcon, I'm just looking at the groups, and obviously I don't pay as much attention to African football, but I don't know why. I'm just I'm just going for Algeria. I've no idea why. We're forgetting a bit about Morocco. Morocco got to the semis, didn't they, in the um, in the World Cup? So they, they might be handy. That was going to be my pick. I think for the Asia Cup, just for argument's sake, I've got, let's all choose our own independent ones. I'm going to go for Australia. I'm, think, I'm going to give the Aussies a little bit of a chance. Let's see if they can manage to do something. My other one would have been Thailand, just as a little outside. <laughs> Thailand has no chance. I'll go celebrate with them if they go and win Are it. Are they even in it? Yeah, they're in it. Uh, Cassini Yengi to score the winner for uh, Australia in the final. For an outside chance... <laughs> Let's go for someone like Vietnam. And then in the <laughs> in the Africa Cup of Nations, I was, I was probably going to go for either Ghana or Morocco. I think I'll go Morocco. So my final ones are Morocco and Australia. Marley, who did you go with again? Uh, I forgot. I went with Japan. Um, and then I think... I think I went for Cameroon, but I, I, th- I think Ivory Coast will win it, but let's just go for Mali because I have to. Like, why, why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> they, I want to see the odds of what Mali are to win. I bet it's like crazy odds. They used to be genuinely decent, you know, um, but not. It goes in it goes in waves, doesn't it? Sometimes you're good, sometimes you, you're not. But uh, I don't think they're, they're very good anymore, but ah, allow it. They've got great, uh, got great kits. Just remember, everyone, you need to be over the age of 18 to gamble. BeGambleAware.org is the website if you need any help or advice about gambling, but just getting up some of the bookies' odds for the Africa Cup of Nations outright winner. Who do you think the favourites are? Ivory Coast. Nigeria? Senegal. Senegal are the favourites. Oh, I forgot about them. At 6-1 across the board. Then it's Morocco with a range of 
from five to one to seven to one. Ivory Coast is straight seven to one across the board at all bookies. And then Algeria are the fourth favourites ahead of Egypt, Cameroon, Nigeria, Tunisia and Ghana. Mali are kind of the best of the rest outside of the, the preferred big nations, if you will. 20 or at some bookmakers, 25 to one to win AFCON. So Mali, take it, let's go. If Mali, if they win it, you have to call your newborn son Mali with an eye on the end. <laughs> when when does it end? When's it, when's the final? Because it'll be pretty close to the mine. 11th of February. The 11th, so that's eight days before uh, my baby's due. So yeah, <laughs> it could it could work. If Nigeria win it, it, it has to be baby Shola. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you could stick a tenner on Namibia to win it. Some bookies will give you seven hundred and fifty to one on Namibia to win the Africa Cup of Nations. Stranger things have happened. Japan are the favourites for the Asia Cup. Meanwhile, they're in at two to one across most bookies. South Korea's second favourites, anywhere between three to one and five to one generally. Australia third favourites, they're in at 13 to two. And then Iran, Saudi Arabia, of course, did quite well in the World Cup, are close behind. Qatar are in there as well. <laughs> Hong Kong are at 500 to one. <laughs> wow. Hong Kong, Kyrgyzstan, Indonesia. Good luck, boys. Good luck. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Been good fun, actually, lads, talking about the Asia Cup and AFCON. I'm sure we'll keep an eye on it over the next few weeks and to see how some of the Premier League players are getting on. You always see on social media, don't you, Marley, some mad videos of something that's happened at AFCON. Like there's a hole in the net and the ball's gone through and nobody knows if it's a goal or not. So I'm looking forward to a few of those. Yeah. I remember last year when... um... The referee blew about seven minutes before the full time whistle, didn't he? <laughs> oh, and then, yeah. And then he restart he restarted the game and then still blew early. Right, so uh can't wait for the shenanigans. Everyone's got their uh, their bottles of magic water um and all sorts ready of to ward off, you know, um evil spirits and ghosts and ghouls and stuff. So I don't know what's gonna go on, but it makes it makes for some proper like entertaining viewing to be fair. And then you haven't even got to Onana's goalkeeping, so that'll be uh, that'll be the icing on the cake. <laughs> of course, he had to end it with a dig at Onana. It wouldn't be Football Social Daily without it. This is FSD, and hit subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform to never miss a show. You can also join the conversation in the Telegram group. The link to that is in the description, as are all of the links to our social media pages. But that is it for us for another week. We'll see you next week on FSD, where we'll be picking apart our team of the season so far at the halfway stage of the Premier League campaign. So make sure you don't miss that. But from Joel Marley and I, that's it. Speak to you again soon on FSD. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.